0: sincere heart of, like, you did a really good job, and so I don't get upset about it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also like, okay, well, now I have to restart from scratch. Like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's all I got. So let's go ahead and start the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois, and beyond. I'm your host, John Parrott, and with me today is the diabolical staff. Mm members of my friendly local game store Red Raccoon Games. Uh, the people I've managed to learn to talking about games with me today are Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm Ryan. This is Jamie. I managed to get Ryan as soon as she was taking a drink from a cup that I believe might be as tall as she is, and that's not a knock against her height, it's a knock
1: against the cup. She said um, she wanted a mocha, and, but didn't tell me what size, so I just got the biggest size they had. It makes sense. I'm not... Yeah,
0: this is not a comedy of errors in any way, shape, or form. It's just majestic. I don't know if you've ever watched Parks and Rec, but in it there's an evil company that like tries to over-sugar children and all of that, and they had a cup that they called child size which was about two feet tall and at least a foot round and they're like how is this for a child and like no 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 if we liquefied a (laughs) five-year-old that cup could contain that child so that's why it's child size and that's kind of
2: the impressions that i'm getting from this cup right now i I remember i think when i was in high school kfc started to offer a half gallon size for sodas and it had a handle like yeah they don't do that anymore." I
3: still remember going across town to get a big gulp from Huck's.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a commitment that you have to make sometime in your life, and I think it's around mid to late 30s where are you going to be the type of person that goes to Casey's and gets the, the gallon bucket that has the handle and you're just going to fill that up every day? Because that's now your life <laughs> is finding Casey's to fill those up at. I,
1: I had the half-gallon Mountain Dew thing. Because you could fill it up for like sixty nine cents. Right. It's like fifteen bucks to if buy sixty nine dollars. Yeah, that, that's a hundred percent. I you know, when I was fixing computers, I was I drove like thirty five thousand miles a year all across central Illinois, up and down left and right, fixing people's computers, and there was much Mountain Dew consumed out of that vat of <laughs> deliciousness.
3: Do you think it's still a good deal? Considering you have two Diet Mountain Dews on the table right now.
0: And a tea. They just need to make a Diet Mountain Dew Tall Boy for Jamie.
2: That's what's well, really
1: these needed. cans really in proportion to my size, right? I mean, <laughs> they're just kind of tiny. I'm not sure if you've ever noticed or not. It but. does
2: kind of look like a person with a more like middle of the bell curve size hand holding a, one of those little, like, eight-ounce, like, bar cans. Yeah, it's Mountain Dew.
0: It's Andre the Giant holding a beer. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just amazing. It's not, um, no, it's not quite that It's bad, not that but, bad, but it's... But it's <laughs> you've got a grip around it that I don't see many people being able to have with a can. I will say yeah. that.
3: It's the exact opposite of the coffee. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> So, We're
0: starting off great today. This is actually some good energy, and I want to ride into <laughs> it directly into,
1: like, how was the store last week? Um, it was fun. We had a good time this week. We got a lot of restocking done. We, we, um, we call it doing a hard restock, where we make sure that everything that we have in the inventory is actually displayed on the shelves. Because sometimes when we've got this, the variety that we have, things can get missed. And so we started it last Saturday and then kept going through the whole week of just trying to find, like, the system says we have this. Where is this? Can somebody put hands on this? And it's it's good to go, holy crap, I didn't know we still had one of those. That's awesome. That's cool. And, and then customers can randomly find some, some goodness because um, our our system... We have restock points set for a, a ton of different stuff where the computer says, when we run out, please alert somebody that we need to order more of these. And if it's a game that is in the building but hasn't been put on a shelf so, so nobody can find it, the restock alert never goes off. And it's just like we, you know, sometimes you don't even notice there's not a game out there. Um, yesterday, I randomly discovered that Point Salad wasn't out on the shelf. And that's one of my favorite games to recommend to people. And, uh, so it was, it was, but it was a good week. It was, uh, it's a little bit slow. Um, that ice storm, not ice storm, really, was snow melted and then refroze into ice that we had.
0: We, we had our three days of fall and as yeah. Illinois custom, yeah. we are now into winter.
3: Indeed.
1: Yeah. That was the, uh, you know, there was 28 accidents around the community that oh. night from people forgetting how to drive on ice. And uh, including a nine car pile up, luckily nobody died uh, the, on the south end of town. And so people just stayed home. So it was actually the slowest day of sales that we had in like five years, except for the days where last year, like we got completely snowed out and we just couldn't even open the store. Um, but other than that, it was, there was a lot of laughing this week, lots of restocking. Publishers are shoving out everything, trying to get it here in time for the holiday weekend and I don't know. I thought I had fun. There was a yeah. lot of laughing this
2: week. I uh,
3: I was at home.
2: <laughs> Ryan had, had, a, had a vacation. Yeah. That she managed, I guess. I had my week back from my vacation, and then my sitter was sick, so I uh, punted and was working the evening. Um, and so that was – I felt a little disconnected from getting back into the loop on what was going on during the day where I'm used to being, but it's also kind of nice to see different uh, – a different chunk of the day than I usually get to see anymore, so. I feel like this is a lull, because you
0: guys have your, your weekend crowds that come along with your farmer's market, which I think shut down,
1: what, two weeks ago now? Uh, the last farmer's market was the last Saturday of October.
0: Right. So uh, I think that I, I've always seen you guys get super busy, during the weekend, usually because of that crowd. And with that gone, and then we're still kind of a bit away from the Christmas real shopping rush, the Black Fridays mm. and all of that. Um oh, calm before the storm. Exactly. That's there was what I a lot of
1: people yesterday in writing lists, mm. right, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. give to their family to say, I want these things for the holidays. Yep. So there was a lot of people that I helped with things that they could put on their list for the holidays of, this would go
2: great for our collection. So, and we, I, we had a lot of that. I always tell people, I'm like, take a picture of it. Don't be of it. Make sure that they get you the right one when they come back. Just feel free to take a picture. Um, we need to figure out a way to, to do that digitally so people can just like upload lists online or something.
0: That's
1: yeah, I think so. it's kind of, again, so, you know, sometimes you get trapped by what your software can and can't do. And so there is kind of a a, a, a half baked thing in our software that caused all kinds of different issues. And so it would be a lot easier sometimes if our, our point of sale provider would just do things the way we suggested them the first time instead of having the, have this idea and then learn after the fact that, hey, that doesn't actually work when you implement it in a retail store. Uh, in this case, the, the <coughs> wish list that is built into our software, you could sit at home, you could make a wish list, you could send it off to your friends and everything. And then, if they came to the store, none of our staff can see it. we can't interact with it we oh, can't fantastic. mark off which things you already bought it's it's so it's there's only one side of it and um you know I've been working with them trying to get them to fix it but it's it's kind of frustrating understandably so
0: let's talk about something maybe not as frustrating and that is what games have you guys gotten on the table lately
2: um so i uh I've been playing a decent bit of um Teo Teo and barrage um and uh, Barrage has become a new sort of obsession for me in a heavier Euro kind of area. It's a game where you are um, hydroelectric industrialists who are building dams and power stations and conduits through a network of different um, water basins. And uh, you the, the, the network building is very interesting because you have a cooldown where when you build something, the resources go onto like this little wheel, and every time you build something, it advances that wheel again. But you have to wait for the stuff to basically cook to where you can use it again. And there's stuff like, well, if this is my basin, then only I can um, get the water, uh, use the water from it. But then it'll flow down through the power to another thing. But if I use your conduit, then I have to pay you for the conduit. And uh, it's definitely very crunchy. Learning it on BGA is definitely make me feel way more confident to play it physically because it's got a lot going on but it's been a very rewarding kind of like the kind of game that you you play and you go okay now let me explore more of this the next time i play it so definitely um good for repeat plays um and then i played a little bit more teo teo con which i'm feeling very confident with now and i'm a little confused because i feel like i'm good at it Uh-oh. which makes me think i need to play an expansion so that i can feel like i suck again good That's <laughs>
0: What's you Macon? What the main complaint I had about that game is that you have dice, but the dice aren't things you roll. It's not variety. It's just used to keep track mm. of, of like what level your your peons are. And for some reason that just broke my brain every time I played it. I'm like, I should roll this. I don't know why I'm, I'm using it in
2: this way. That's understandable. It's, it's funny because I feel like on the other hand when you have the very hardcore euro, I don't like randomness players. when they see the dice, There's like this uh, reassurance that the game gives of, don't worry, don't worry, you don't roll them, you don't roll them. They're just for keeping track of things.
0: Well, I think part of Lee is, uh, I think my wife would have an intellectual affair with uh, Steffenfeld. Mm -hmm. So I have to be prepared to like defend myself in those cases. (laughs) So anytime I hear a game that even smells like a Steffenfeld, I'm like, all right, all right, I'm watching you. Be careful. ryan have you gotten to have anything on the table lately
3: i i did i got to play betrayal third edition oh
0: i have so so many questions then
3: it it was a lot of fun i got ben and ariel over to play um and if no one on the podcast has ever heard it before ben is a cold-blooded killer (laughs) i can't believe that he betrayed us twice not once twice two out of two times ben betrayed us
1: (laughs) wait our ben Okay. Yes. Ben that used to work here. Okay. I just want to make sure I knew which Ben you're talking about.
3: Yes. And if you ever play Magic with him, he's the exact same way.
1: Okay. Because Ben is, the is the a very quiet and calm demeanor person all the time. And... That's what
0: they always say about them. Like, oh, yeah. Was, he, he, was was he, so he was such a nice guy. <laughs> such a quiet <laughs> man, yeah. never caused nice trouble. Kid.
3: Yeah. Um, but it was lots of fun, definitely. Um, the first time around, we were... Uh, very unlucky with our placement when the hot started. Uh, so we were taken out really fast. But, um, <laughs> second time we managed to uh, beat back the uh, Betrayer. Uh, but generally speaking, it's been a fantastic new addition as far as the game is concerned. Uh, well,
1: and, and then there's a new expansion pack on its way to the store right now, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh,. Is that the new character? No, it adds It adds werewolves. It changes. It changes the game. It's not a character per se. It it makes one of the players a werewolf as opposed to the regular haunting. Oh, so it's like a whole new
2: your traditional social deduction style where there's a traitor from the beginning kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's um, you know like half of the order showed up uh, on Friday and we were all looking at it like this is not the part that we care about. Where's the but werewolf expansion for betrayal, <laughs> so that we can sell it this weekend, and it's like in a box someplace wherever. At this point,
3: well, I definitely look forward to it because third edition is way smoother than first and second, nice. in my opinion. So, like, if that was ever a big prohibiting factor, I definitely recommend the third one.
0: I've been okay. hearing varying reports about it. Whether so, it sounds like yes, the the gameplay is smoother, but some of the components don't feel as hefty as they used to really yeah did you feel that way
3: no i actually like the components better i really enjoyed the high contrast colors and generally speaking it's a lot less well there's always been just random stuff that you don't necessarily need um but generally speaking at least compared to the edition that i had i think it's first we've lost the box okay um
1: (laughs) you just got it in a bag
3: Tupperware container, Have-a-wear actually. Container. Okay. <laughs> safer, safer
1: <laughs> keeps it fresh.
3: Indeed. Um, <laughs> hey, we were lucky that the water damage did not get to the rest of the game. Mm. Um, no, that's fair. Yeah, the basement flooded. Life was bad. Um, but compared to the, I think first edition. The- first edition question mark. It seems pretty much the what same. Was first edition,
1: ninety six. Yeah, 96.
2: Now, the, uh, first edition was I want to say first editions where it had the um, was a red cover instead of green. Uh, kind like right. of more, more like Widow's Walk. And yeah. I, the main difference with First Edition besides somewhere at it was that you couldn't have a pool on the upper floor anymore. I remember that. Mm. Yeah. but
1: um, You know, people used to consider having a pool on the upper floor like the game must be broken, but then I keep seeing more and more like houses and architectural oh, yeah. places where the pool or the is on the roof. Or, right. Oh, oh, yeah. And you're like, well, maybe we were just not thinking <laughs> big enough.
0: Yeah. Tubs are becoming pools now, in my yeah. opinion. So,
2: yeah. <laughs> and, and Third Edition has the... um. The character health trackers are, like, they're, like, dial style now, right, as part of the base game?
1: I think yeah. it's the ones that they sold separately are right. now... The upgrade's um, part of the base, basically. Yeah, part of the game itself. So that's
2: awesome, because that was always, I think, the most difficult to deal with part of Betrayal was the, the, the health trackers would damage the cards over time. Yep. Um, so having the dials now is better. You know, I... My, I'll take my, my aside token now. Okay. When you mentioned in.
0: Yep. when Got you it.
2: mentioned Tupperware, mm-hmm. it reminded me of I feel like John will be the person the Taylor remembers. Do you remember in Erie, Indiana, the TV the show? The episode
0: where the twins lived in Tupperware and yes, they lived for fresh. a very long
2: period of time. Yes. And then when they were left out of their Tupperware, they became like middle-aged men overnight. Yes. Yeah. And
0: their mother like aged and yes. Yeah. Oh, such yes. a good show. Yeah. It was so wrong. And that to was have it my was television. so meta because <laughs> I
2: had the episode where like they uh, they were on the TV show. Like the kid wakes up and his life is the TV show, like Truman Show style. It's a good show. It's it's on streaming. Yeah, Go watch it. Go pray watch pray it. your Indiana. Yeah. Hey, yep. it was brief. See? Yeah. I'm, I'm responsible sometimes. <laughs> that really hit the age gap of... It was after Jamie, but before Ryan. That's yeah.
0: really another <laughs> <our> sweet spot <laughs> of trivia. Yeah. Um, Jamie, I know you own a game store, so it's very rare you actually get to play games, but...
1: I actually, uh, I actually have gotten a few things. Um, we did a... A an event at the Normal Public Library. They had a game night there, so Brittany and I went, so I taught and got to play several games. Uh, we had just received Boop in from boop, uh, Smirk oh, and Dagger Games. That's a
0: game you've been excited about for quite some time.
1: Yeah, and I've probably gotten at least two dozen playthroughs where I'm teaching somebody else about the game, and it's, it's gotten just a ton of buzz. Um, so, lots of Boop has happened. Uh, At the game night, a lot of, um, it's a smaller game that we got uh, via GigaMech games called Lots. And Lots is competitive vertical Tetris. You're you're building, it's like reverse Jenga, kind of, where you're using Tetris, tetranomino-type shapes, but you're building upwards, trying to score as many points as you have. So that was pretty popular with the kids. And then I've also gotten in several gameplays of... um, Flamecraft, oh, so good! Yeah, because I just we had uh, our board games and beers event with Keg Grove the other night, and so I taught um, several people how to play Flamecraft for the first time. We so, got
3: to play Flamecraft for uh, our board game training too. Yeah,
1: staff training we did as well. We do monthly staff trainings to try to make sure that everybody here knows how to play the games and can accurately describe them. So I got to play it there. Um, Alexis taught us how to play, and then
2: I was able to teach new people how to play over at Keck Grove. So that
1: game is, is really fun.
2: It, it deserves the buzz that it's getting. Uh, we, we all raved earlier this year about Creature Comforts and how it was a really good, solid board game that also was accessible, and Flamecraft fits very much in the same niche.
3: Agreed.
2: Um, Agreed. Yeah, definitely good.
1: Yeah, and I haven't had any of the games I've played so far. There hasn't been like a blowout. Where one person felt like they were so far behind, they were out of the game, no matter what they did. So um, it's yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and I'm just really enjoying kind of that that playthrough, and and uh, I like the replayability too because the other night somebody asked me a question about one of the cards, and I said I don't know, I haven't seen that card yet. There's enough store cards in the deck that when you set it up correctly and shuffle through them. You know, you you might only bring out five or six cards out of the 25 that are in that pile, and that just those different storefronts really change the game up when the different different ones Absolutely. come out. So, so that, that's what I've been doing.
0: I will say that when I. I was a little disappointed when I first opened the game and realized that they'd spent so much time designing these beautiful dragons, uh, and the artwork, and they're so unique each and every card, but <laughs> many of the cards just fall into one type, and all the same types do the same powers, and I was like, oh, that's, that's a little disappointing, but the gameplay and seeing how it's balanced, mm. it, it just tells me that they spent the extra time on the dragons, and they didn't have to, yes. and yep. that's kind of nice,
1: actually. Yes. I love way. the way that they name the dragons, too. Like oh, the puns are so all the, the puns are hilarious. Yes. Like the, the stores have puns, too. So there's a, a Critical Roll, which is the bakery. Critical Rolls.
3: Critical Rolls
1: is a bakery. Uh, Draco Bell mm-hmm. is in there. Yeah. But then the dragons themselves, like all of the, the food dragons. The food are, dragons have the best. They're all named after meat or ways to cook meat. Brisket. Cutlet. Yep. There's yeah.
3: the bread dragons, too, and one of them is called Toast. <laughs> one's called
1: uh, One's called Loaf. <laughs> it's yeah. it's really
0: really cute, and I feel like it's it's a good family game. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's something there for everybody at the table.
1: Yeah, so. and it's it's one of those games too that there there is a deluxe version that's out there, and it's uh, the price has already skyrocketed on it. Um, I've I've heard that they're going for as much as three hundred dollars already online for the deluxe version but the standard version is still really good. We it, have plenty of the standard one left, and the, you don't get like some of the, you don't get the metal coins, but do you really need the metal coins? You don't. So
2: this has actually been a conversation that's come up repeatedly in the store with employees and with customers of debating the deluxe version versus the base. Because this is a standard edition, deluxe edition, where it's only aesthetic upgrades. Um, everything mechanically is the same. It's 40 for the standard retail, 80 was the, our price for the deluxe, and the deluxe gets you metal coins, it gets you um, 3D models of the dragons, and it gets you um, premium. nice premium tokens. Tokens. And the tokens and the the um, coins, that's enough to sell me on it. I really like those. However, um, both have the neoprene rollout mat, and I really like the screen-printed dragon meeples, personally. Mm-hmm. So, like, the fact that it's a $40 game keeps blowing my mind. Like... Th- I, it it I, should have I, been a more expensive game to me. I and the the fact it didn't go up when it hit retail distribution really surprises me. Like I wouldn't be surprised if next year this is a fifty or even sixty dollar game. Um, I think it easily could be a 50 five $50, dollar $50 game. The fact it's forty feels like the price a game would be five years ago. Honestly, yeah,
3: yeah. Um, personally, the little dragon miniatures is what sold the deluxe edition to me because. Um, I'm a sucker for dragons.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that in this world that we live in, this geeky board game related world, everyone kind of likes dragons. You gotta at least like dragons, right?
3: I'm oversaturated in my adorable little animals, but the moment they're dragons, I'm just like, oh, it's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Well, speaking of games that are actually really affordable, I got to play Tiny Epic Dungeons. And oh my gosh, uh... It was one of the best experiences that I have had with even just a kind of dungeon crawling board game mm. in a long time. Uh, there are elements of tile placement, so, you know, unique dungeons every time you make it. Uh, there is a lot of repetitive actions, but each time I felt like I had the ability to really branch out so my wife and i played we both played two characters one of the character i played was a warrior he was like a dwarf with an axe i also played a wizard um each one of them played uniquely differently in the way that i could approach things uh the items that i could get some of them were linked together so you kind of had this quest of well i want to get all the pieces of this because it will work really well with my character spells give you a lot of variety And while there is a lot of iconography to learn in the game, once you get it, everything just goes really smoothly. And I just, I feel like this is just a testament because I sometimes get to work the floor. And when people are coming in and looking for relatively, you know, price affordable games, the Tiny Epic series has never let me down. And I feel like anything that I throw that direction, I can say with confidence people can enjoy. It's such a great business model.
1: I need to get that one to the table because I've got it. And uh, for me, I was, it was actually, um, I think I, I think I actually was trying to play it when I had COVID. I never made it through a full game, but there is a solo mode. And I was experimenting using the Dized app because it's on the Dized yeah. app to teach me how to play the game. And I was, you know, um, Dized was a, uh, something that we had backed on Kickstarter years ago. And when it first came out, it quite frankly was not ready. But now they've kind of changed their business model. And, um, you know, like Kurt at Smirk and Dagger bought a ton of coupons for Diced for uh, the Night Cage mm-hmm. and was giving them out to stores to ha- hand this to your customers when they play the game. So all of our early copies of Night Cage went out with a free code for Diced, And uh, now, man, it was a really smooth thing nice experience using that to teach you how to play the game because it's uh i'm also a big fan of like rodney smith watch it watch it Play channel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and we support him every year when he does a kickstarter to kind of have enough money to keep keep making that show but the Dice app tells you to do a thing and then it waits for you to say okay i have finished this stuff whereas rodney will tell you the rules but it just keeps going you got to keep pausing it Mm -hmm. to to set things up pause set things up pause as it goes along and the dized app waits for you to hit continue to go to the next stage and it was a it's a pretty cool experience and i was having a ton of fun and then i think that i started feeling pretty horrible with COVID again and just gave up and went to bed so got to circle back to it We can definitely get it on the table again sometime.
0: Um, But you bring up one of our keywords, our buzzwords. If this was Pee-wee's Playhouse, we would all scream when we hear it. Ah, And that is...
2: is (laughs) 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 So I know
0: when I'm making a joke for the right audiences, because if Ryan doesn't laugh until we laugh, that means it's too old. But if Ryan's the only one that laughs, then I know that I'm hitting the young audience. So...
3: To be fair, I did also laugh at my own joke.
0: That's fair. But but you're allowed. It was a good joke. Uh, But you said the word Kickstarter, which normally leads us into our news segment, because there's always something going on. There's
2: always news in the Kickstarter stand? There's always news
0: in the Kickstarter stand. Now, you might say, John, you've been talking about the Hasbro Pulse Hero Quest or Heroescape not making their thing. Is that where you're going? I said, No. Because we haven't gotten too many involvements other than that, other than people have actually realized that's probably not going to fund. In this case, this was... Isn't it
1: officially done? I
0: think it is now. I think it's officially done. They did not make
1: it, and it's going back in the vault for maybe ever. And that is the Disney method, isn't it? But uh, actually, this is
0: an article that was brought to us by Jamie himself. The first article, I don't think I've had to look up before. He actually placed it in the queue. And uh, it comes to us from Polygon. Uh, and Charlie Hall has an article said, Tabletop creators are trapped in a boom and bust crowdfunding cycle. Uh, as you get into the article, it basically takes a look at uh, Warmwood Gaming, who does a fantastic uh, gaming table. And usually every year they have a new one. There's modular sets that come with it. Everyone speaks very highly of it. I believe Critical Role actually uses Wormwood for their new set, correct? Yes,
3: they have a custom table because it had to be um right. very particular for them uh, but yeah they have they've had a partnership with wormwood for a long time they've had um giveaways for their dice towers they've done a lot of giveaways for the dice trays and they still use a lot of their products in the show um so i was really surprised when i saw that the desk had went the way it did and
0: that yeah, is the
1: stand-up is. desk yeah because this was the first time they'd ever kind of I know this, was, this was them kind of branching out of gaming stuff to say, hey, a lot of people are working at home, and we do really cool things with wood, so are you guys interested in a stand-up desk?
0: And as the article alludes, that did not go well, and actually was kind of a very public unraveling, almost, of wormwood as they realized that something they had grown to rely on, which was the Kickstarter boom, was not coming in for them. And one of the saddest things I think I read in the article is there's an unopened bottle of champagne on the table as they were strategizing what to do next and how to fix things and eating, like, pizza to calm their their saddened souls. Um, But it is kind of an interesting point that we have somewhat made here on the podcast before, and that is crowdfunding is kind of still a very weird space when it comes to the gaming ventures. Not only actual board games, but... uh, board game accessories like this Wormwood table set and and all other things that we've kind of seen on there before. I remember I was talking to Jamie the other day and uh, we were coming up with ideas for the new Patreon, which I'm going to try and pitch a little bit at the end. And uh, I was like, well, we could make rubber bands. And Jamie, you had to tell me a very interesting story about how like the Getting the rubber bands that you can put around board games that you had for a while actually has become kind of hard to find. Possible, really.
2: possible to find. Yeah. yeah, there's no manufacturers left that currently make them. Yeah, the uh, they
1: called they're called H bands, right? And they're the ones that go nicely around all four sides. And um, we always everybody bought them from one gentleman who had figured out how to make it, and his company was Flying Buffalo.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: um, he passed away.
2: Ken Saint Andre.
1: Is that uh, I? I never so. met him personally, so but he had passed away and nobody knew where he was getting the rubber bands made or how he was getting them made. And so now uh, what we have on the shelf is like the last of them because there's, I think we're out of the large size ones right now. Nobody's making them. I've reached out to a whole bunch of different rubber band companies in the United States, like, hey, can you do these ones? And and they're like, yeah, we, we have a standard size and it's too big. Um, I don't even know what they're actually supposed to be designed for, but it's too big for 99% of board games. And uh, so everybody's scrambling, trying to figure out how to get board game rubber bands made. And I know our friend Andrew over at Foam Brain is looking at maybe silicone bands instead of traditional rubber bands because they're a little
2: less um, abusive on the boxes. Minor correction, it was uh, Rick Loomis was the guy for Flying Buffalo. Ken St. Andre was one of the people published there.
1: Okay, yeah, and... uh, you know, it's, it's, I think wrapping it back around to the Kickstarter though, uh, is that sometimes these things that we think are the staples are not the staple and you have to have a unique value proposition. That's what Kickstarter was originally founded for was, I have this unique idea that I just can't get made in any other way, and in the old days, the Polygon does a really good talking about it. in the old days you could go to your local community bank and, and talk to them and create a business plan and sit down and write out that business plan and the bank would put you through the ringer a little bit by making you think about all these different parts of doing a business plan that if you take college courses, they talk about SWOT analysis and marketing plans and, and operational plans and stuff. And Kickstarter has allowed a lot of businesses to completely circumvent that traditional business planning model um, in some ways, that's a good thing. In other ways, it's a bad thing because, you know, one of the things that I've talked about a lot uh, when it comes to Kickstarters is great board game designers are not always great business owners. Mm-hmm. And Wormwood had their public debacle, God, probably 18 months ago, where they were accused they, there were, I think that the, one of the founders had to step down a CEO because of bad behavior. Um, was that it,
2: Wormwood? Or are you thinking of Broken Token?
1: No, Broken Token also did oh, okay. that. Okay, I missed the
2: Wormwood one. <laughs> yeah,
1: and and Paizo has mm. also done that. But um, I heard yeah, about the Paizo one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Wormwood had done it because they do a a pretty in depth podcast series that they've always done since the beginning. You know, my first experience with Wormwood was them making really cool um, dice boxes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, and then they expanded into tables and stuff after Geek. Uh, Sheik went kablooey, right? Mm. Geek Sheik had that, the Sultan table that was $14,000 for nice. a, a gaming table, right? I don't know if you guys remember
3: that or not. Uh, no, I look at the $3,000 one and I'm no. just like,
1: <laughs> Yeah.
3: I love you.
1: <laughs> yeah. From a distance.
3: From a distance.
1: From a distance. <laughs> yeah, and and so the, the article from Polygon takes a couple of, of paths through here, but this, this boom and bust cycle of the only way, if the only way that you can make sales is to run a Kickstarter, if you can't develop a sales channel in a normal process, what do you do when the Kickstarter fails?
3: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, and and it was a really, I I thought it was a really well written
2: article. Yeah,
0: it absolutely is, and I do highly suggest it. Again, it's on Polygon, written by Charlie Hall. I think that one of the things that I've always seen now, especially getting more into the board game space and talking on this podcast often, is that Kickstarter, it's not just a place to fund games it's a marketing tool to Mm -hmm. say that you had a successful crowdfunding is important to say that, you know, this is your fifth successful Kickstarter is important. The fact that, for example, uh, Simon just did death may die, which I was following pretty religiously. I don't think anyone here is surprised by that. Um, but I mean, that's every time you get more money, you put out an update and that's an email blast. That's a Facebook post. And you say, you know, come back to the Kickstarter to see what's coming up next and what we're going to try and do or what we're going to add. Makes a pre-order period an event. Exactly. And I think for for companies like, I would say, CMON and other large-scale, Asmodee maybe, um, I don't think they have to necessarily worry about their their Kickstarter failing because I always get the impression that if they're a little light at the end, they just buy out the rest and they fill it up. And then that way it looks like it's successful. And they're still going to have stock, and they can probably get that sold. I'm sure that if it was like a horrible call, like if they only got 20%, they wouldn't do it. Um, But they don't put out games that are only going to get 20% crowdfunded. That's not their business model for that.
3: Well, that's also kind of like the business model, right? It's a bunch of bigger companies suddenly doing these crowdfunding campaigns, and...
1: It's not the little investors, you know, the yeah. little creators who had this idea that nobody would listen to them. It's not them anymore. Yeah, exactly. it's not the original It's
3: purpose. the people who already had the money who were doing it again. Right,
2: And, I mean, by in the very name there, like Jamie said, it was supposed to be a kickstart, a way to launch pad something off. And But the people who don't even want to be in there, because we get frustrated, we're like, you don't need to do a Kickstarter for this. You could fund the production of this game. But, like, you know, the article shows there, are companies that want to get out of that cycle... Are trapped in it, and like John said, it's a marketing tool now too. It's very frustrating.
1: Yeah how do you how do you break away from it? And and um, Jamie Stegmeier has written an entire series of articles on why he will never use um, Jamie Stegmeier from uh, uh, Stegmeier Games. Stegmaier Games uh, has written an entire series of articles on why he will never do Kickstarter again, and the problems that he ran into meeting customer expectations and publisher demands, and and shipping and and everything that goes into it he actually just wrote a i think it's been five years and he wrote a five-year follow-up of why he still believes this was the right path for his company to break away from using kickstarter crowdsourced funding models to make sure his games happened and why it's been they've been a better business because of it
0: Well, we do know that Kickstarter has implemented a whole new uh, kind of oversight committee with one person actually looking at board games and entertainment and things along those lines. And in his interviews, he has been nebulous to what the main focus they think Kickstarter is going to be. Is it going to be for the big or for the little, as it was intended? So I guess only time will tell.
1: Yeah, I hope Wormwood pulls out of this um, and figures out how to, you know, maybe... Because they've—I didn't realize that they now had 200 employees. They've been so successful with some of the big Kickstarters they've done in the past that 200 employees. I mean, we're at 15, and I'm already going ah, <laughs> you know, just trying to keep up with everybody and making sure everybody's lives are are taken care of and needs are met, and and um, maybe we're in that middle step of of awkward growth right now because um, you know we're we're trying to figure out how to deal with, I, I just, I did, I did a interview with, over at Fort Jesse Cafe for a bunch of kind of up and coming people who were trying to kind of, future entrepreneurs, I think it'd be a good way to talk to them. And one of the things that I said, they asked me, you know, what was something when you started your, in the business world that you did not plan for, that you did not expect? And uh, I was talking about how Kelly and I like to believe which may or may not be true, um, <laughs> that we live fairly low drama lives. But when you have employees, you inherit all your employees' drama as you go along. And sometimes drama is not the right word. Like, you know, we had, uh, this week, we had um, an employee who had a medical emergency in their family and had to, needed a day off to go to St. Louis because of a surgery. It's not drama, per se, but... Complications. Um, it was complications for the store that we had to deal with to say, of course you can go to go down there. We will figure it out. Um, when you get to 200 employees, like, whew, maybe there's enough people to cover shifts at that point or something. And, Cause we're in the middle ground. Like one person not showing up. We're like, Oh crap. What are we going to do? Panic.
0: Um, well, as much as that is a struggle for, you know, the small companies to the medium sized companies, not even the large companies are actually uh, invincible to problems as well. And they have their own set of drama. So, you know what, uh, Ryan, you get to decide. Do we want to talk about Hasbro's money or Hasbro's... Uh, awkward turtle. Awkward turtle.
3: Ooh, are they technically one and the same, though?
0: So technically not.
3: But are they really? Um, mm. <laughs> let's start with the awkward tur- turtle, because I feel like that'll, that'll launch into uh, the money troubles.
0: I had a feeling that was the case, because you being a D&D person, this article directly relates to that. Now, on the podcast, we did not go too deeply into uh, Dungeons & Dragons Spelljammer's release and some of the fallout that came from that. Uh, I didn't purposely avoid it, but I just felt like it was something that we might not have a unique voice on, and there were a lot of people saying a lot of good things about it. Um, but I did want to talk about today about how they're trying to react to those problems. For those that don't know, there's some culturally insensitive content within Spelljammer uh, that they are doing their best to quickly get out of uh, circulation. They're having a new reprint of the books. They've already removed it from the online services. But now they're trying to implement a new cultural review uh, for everything that is going to be coming out from DD from now on. And I find that interesting mainly because... Why weren't they doing that before?
3: It. From the tone of the article, it seems like there was a sort of kind of there, um, but it wasn't very involved. And I think this is probably one of uh, the bigger missteps in the last couple of years um, as far as the uh, Hazaday mm-hmm. um, being problematic a special brand (laughs) yes yeah um obviously very culturally insensitive very reminiscent of not the greatest parts of human past um and now it seems like they intend to put a stop to any sort of like real world mirrors that might end up in Dungeons and Dragons um which is super fair because yes yeah, that was a rough one um i really hope this makes a difference i'm glad to see that they intend to have more culturally diverse um, discussions about uh, their content moving forward especially in regards to having multiple consultants as far as different cultures around the world um, and hopefully that can make it a better game for everybody
1: i think having multiple pre-programmed pre-scheduled check-ins along the development path will help too
2: mm-hmm.
1: because it it kind of sounded like the way they used to do it they didn't really do a review it's per, like a until it might have already been too late or too expensive to to change and then it became a well is it really that bad is it we can maybe we can move forward with it but We'll just kind of downplay it, and, and maybe that's what happened with the Spelljammer book, too, where somebody went, uh, wait a minute, but it was already too late in the process, so having pre-programmed reviews during various places in the development cycle of, they said, the article specifically talked about a development of the text of the art and of the maps, um, which I didn't hear anything bad about the maps, but the text and the art definitely had issues in the Spelljammer oh, yeah. book, right? uh uh-huh. um, so maybe having those stops pre-programmed in that this is how we do everything, let's make sure we're on the that, – that should help a lot more.
3: Yeah, and having a more permanent position for such things is probably yeah. in Hasbro's best interest.
0: Yeah, not just a few people that they gather around the office for a meeting with possible pizza. Um, um, go ahead.
3: Sorry. On that subject, especially for Hasbro, um, because I just thought about it, I was actually going over some band cards for Magic. Um, because Colin and I were sitting around, and we we're like, "Oh, our decks are super illegal. Maybe we should just like look through this real quick." But I found something very interesting. Uh, Wizards is actually working on a um, ban list for culturally insensitive magic cards.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the artwork. Yeah, yeah, they've they've been working on that and pulling stuff over the probably the the last two or three years. Yeah. And yeah. they put out a big list last year saying. We recognize that this artwork is no longer, or in reality, it never was appropriate, and we are never reprinting this card again, and it's banned because we don't even want to see it in play. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I'm sorry, you're
3: still. Oh, that link is actually broken right now on their site. Oh. Um, I don't think it's a permanent problem, but it 404'd when I was looking at it. I would say
0: that as a person that's developed a website, that probably means that they're updating it mm-hmm. on a pretty regular basis. And I'm guessing that probably someone just misnamed the file yeah. and now it's not linking correctly, but...
3: I'm sure it'll be fixed by the time I look at it
2: again. Yeah. But. It's definitely, it's, it's um, slow change, but I'm glad that we're seeing these changes where, you know, the, the gaming space, much like um, a lot of creative fiction space and media in general, has predominantly been very white, very male, and even where someone has wanted to draw on other cultures and histories and peoples in a way that is appreciative, it's easy to be tone deaf or um, miss the mark or have a an oversight. Um, in the best of cases, and so. It's good to see this stuff getting revised. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of um, one of my favorite RPGs, Seven c Everyone can take a drink for if I mentioned that often. Um, <laughs> when it had its second, <laughs> that was such great MSR,
0: yeah. AMSR for that. Yeah. I just have to say that was fantastic.
2: Um, when it had its second edition um, come around, John Wick, the creator, specifically mentioned he's like, "This is a game that draws on the 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 flavor of it is all the different cultures that are in the setting, but." we, re, re, we realized our team was not culturally diverse, and so as we make the second edition, we want to hire people from the cultures that our fictional world is taking its inspiration from to make sure that it's done well, and they've done a pretty good job of that.
3: Speaking of, um, especially the super male-centric part, uh, we are getting a One Ring game started, and I was reading over some of the text for that. Oh, boy. It's like, every... Every important NPC is a man. Mm. This this book assumes that I am a man. And it was just like That's I'm getting so tired so quick. It was just like, mm. I've seen Arwen. I get a point of inspiration.
2: <laughs> yeah, I there was a conversation recently. I don't know if it was a meme or what that was talking about. I was like, do do female hobbits female hobbits exist? Do they leave the Shire? Do they get to go on adventures? Oh wait, that's it's, that was a Gilmer Girls thing.
3: It's actually hilarious. That's what that was. Because for all of that, the parts for the Dunedain specifically, which are the Rangers of the North, um, it's just like, it's not uncommon for a young woman from the Dunedain to just be out there messing around, killing orcs. I'm just like, this is a strange tone shift from the rest of the book here. <laughs> that was that one guy who
0: was like, well, we got to put something in for the ladies. <laughs>
3: it was like... All right, I'll, I was, if there was going to be one thing, I'm happy it's them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, really, though, of the, the hobbits, only, like, five ever left the Shire, mm-hmm. right? So of all the hobbits, you know, it would. I guess yeah, I, I can understand where you're coming from. It's an interesting viewpoint I never thought about before, but, you know, then I was like, well, only five hobbits ever actually left the, the Shire to start with.
2: Well, and that's again, comes around to Tolkien did well, but, like, Tolkien came from a very particular... Background and life experience, and wrote wrote what he knew, which was being a well-to-do British man who fought in World War One. And we've and reached a, yes, and we've
0: reached a time in our lives now where we can take things that we absolutely love and and redesign it to yeah. incorporate everyone who loves them, such as we've seen in Harry Potter, such we've seen in Star Wars. So. That's but, just such a refreshing. And I think,
1: thing. I mean, there was also a bunch of people who were really unhappy about the new Rings of Power show too. The, you know, there were people. So it, most of the world is progressing in a good path, but there's yes. still some trolls out there mm. who were unhappy that Galadriel was really the focus of that entire show, and and they're like, well, that's not what the book said. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Which is hilarious to me because one of the biggest lore beards in our group for the One Ring. It's just like, and in this house, we stand Galadriel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, I will say that the, the d and One initiative, I do somewhat see that being a push to be more inclusive as well. In all of the releases we've seen, there's been aspects that I have been like, oh, well, that's a really great idea, such as ASL is now a language in Dungeons & Dragons. Um, and I believe, oh, what was the other element of it that I saw? I, I know a while ago, it used to be that if you had a prosthesis, it, you'd have to be attuned to it, which would take up a very important slot in your character, and they've removed that rule uh, later on. I don't think that was, I think that was very much pre-D&D 1, but I'm wondering with this new 1D&D system that they're trying to incorporate and how that's really going to look in the end, if that's going to be more of a housing for, we want to open this up. We realize that we we've been building on our laurels all this time. We want to do a fresh reboot, a fresh restart, that can include everyone who is now playing, which is quite a range of people.
1: Oh, yeah. As somebody who's DM'd um, a, a lot of games, I think you know maybe you could have a differentiation between because some of the prosth- prosthesi, prosthesis... protheses, whatever prosthetics, those that. Um, that were in the game were also really powerful magic items at the same time. So maybe there's like, uh, you could have a normal function prosthetic and you're perfectly fine and everything's great, but if you've got a prosthetic that shoots lightning bolts at somebody, you have to attune to that the same way you could attune a ring.
2: That would make sense. I mean, that would be the distinction between a regular ring and a ring of power. (laughs) 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 I don't know if,
0: how much you meant to do that. It felt like you were pretty I, smug at the end, I, but you I, still were pretty. I saw it
2: coming, and then I was like, uh, "Yeah, no, I can't Am I leave leave stop Let's just go. Just let's go for it? it. What <laughs> we got next, John? Um,
0: well, that's a great question because we're gonna kind of stay within the the Hasbro oh, realm right. because we know that D anD D, while it's still trying to find its way of, of being inclusive, does have a lot of cool things still happening with it, with the D anD D movie that's coming out, the TV show that they're trying to get produced. But in the other side of of Hasbro, things are not looking good. Um, So I'll read this uh, article that comes from Dice Tower a little bit. Hasbro stock volatile this week after Bank of America analysis. Now, there are quite a few articles that you can read on this. If you want more of an educational view uh, from the money side, CNBC does a great article. Polygon has done a little bit more for gamers that might not be understanding uh, the financial side. But basically, what has happened is uh, there's been a 15% drop in earnings. And that meant that the Bank of America, who normally goes to companies and says, Are these people favorable for investing in? not only dropped at one stage, has one stage in their grading process, but actually two stages. Double down. Double down.
1: They were, uh, yeah, Bank of America had them rated as a buy right, uh, this usually signals this company is worth investing and in. you should pick up the stock now because we see future performance being where it needs to be so you'll get a return on your investment. Normally one step down is hold and then one step from there is, is underneath that is underperform which is like, eh, maybe you should consider diversifying your stocks and the fact that they dropped them from buy straight to underperform in one step, that, was, that caused a lot of stir.
0: So this has been attributed by many sources that actually Magic: The Gathering has been the problem child in the Hasbro household, um, from a overstocking of, of cards to putting out too many sets of cards too many times during the year, um, and then the cards not selling well uh, or having sets that are I wouldn't say from what you guys have told me there hasn't been really a, a complete flop set but there's been sets that people just Aren't that excited about, and it seems like that has been cutting into what has been seen as the profitable side of Hasbro
1: enough to make Bank of America think this. I think so. I, I've had all the store owners, of course. We've been talking about this for the entire week, right? Mm-hmm. And here's um, I can. I think there's like three things that are happening at the same time. One is. Um, Wizards of the Coast is coming to terms with the idea, finally, that while we love the people that come in and play in the store that we see every week, we know here that probably 80% of the people who buy Magic cards from Red Raccoon Games never play in a game here in the store. And they're going, you know, in our community, they're going back to their dorm rooms, they're going back to their apartments, they're going back to their house, they're jamming some games, they're having a good time. And you know a lot of times they're playing what we call kitchen table magic, which is a little more loosey goosey and not as rigid in what cards you can and can't put in your deck, or we know that um you know, that that it's just more casual environment I mean you know we don't have a liquor license, but you could play at your house and have a beer with the guys if you wanted to um you or could,
3: you could play that whole Breacher in your Murfo deck it's fine <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and um So I think that's one of the things is Hasbro's come into realization like that. The response to that is they have been diversifying the product mix that they're putting out and putting in a lot more things that are aimed at casual players. And part of this is the evolution of Commander. And where I think that I know definitely for us and for a lot of stores I talk to, Commander is taking over as the most popular format played in the store. And I, and it and a large part of that is because one, it's it's casual, um, often, and two is it's you can actually play in pods of multiple people, mm. and so that means that you don't have one person sitting out that's left off. You know, you can play up to five, and if you got more than five, break into two pods of three, right? Yeah. And you can still have a good time. Everybody's included. Everybody's having a good time. So we've been seeing this this year. God,
2: how many releases are there? I, more it's, than one a month.
1: Yeah, more than one a month new products came out. 14 major releases, I think. As opposed to when I bought the store. I bought the store in 2014. There was four releases for the year and one Commander deck, and that was it. So five releases in 2014 to 14 this year. Um, I think that uh, one of the things stores are coming to realization, and, and Jeremiah from uh, Plus One Gaming, he's a friend of ours at Jesse and I were talking about earlier. He's in New Orleans. He wrote that overall, the magic sales in his store are still growing. Um, Gary Ray, who is a prolific um, author and uh, uh, blogger on what's going on in the industry, he's in California, also wrote he was surprised because it felt like magic sales were slowing down, but he's also up like 15% on magic sales. The problem is is that a lot of store owners weren't prepared for this year to shift their thinking on how to order magic products if instead of there being five or six releases, there's 14 releases. So for the four big ones, we ordered the same as we always have, but there's still only so many dollars in a customer's pocket and they were ordering all this diverse mix of products, so they ordered fewer of more things. And so I think everybody's gotta reposition how they order as a store, but Hasbro saw big <clears throat> growth, and part of that is because a lot of stores like us have piles of some of this product where it was just okay, it
3: was kind of meh, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? I've definitely seen some, some more people leaning into more singles as opposed to full boxes, Yeah. Um, whether that's due to a general like cautiousness as far as the economy is concerned, how much uh, magic product there is or just generally just trying to diversify between sets. Um, yeah, because be not every factors. set's
1: great for Commander if that's what you play. Yeah, yeah, I
3: mean, and some people don't like Capena as it is mostly three-color, which I adore.
0: <laughs> I will say that this seems to come at an inopportune time because, I, as you guys know, when I'm doing research for the podcast, I look through news articles, so I see kind of trends of like what pops up. Magic very rarely. Someone might say this is releasing, but they don't talk much about it. But apparently Brothers War, the latest release, has gotten rave reviews. People have been loving that set. And for this, for that set to just come after this announcement seems like just ill-timing altogether.
1: It also has the problem, though, that Brothers War is seven weeks after um, Dominary United. Normally that would be um, 12 weeks they're just they're, they're coming yeah. so fast and furious that there were people there were i got feedback yesterday that there were people who didn't even know that brothers war was coming out because it was such a short window they're like oh the next set will be out in january on a regular schedule so there are people who i kind of got some guff from and rightly so that we didn't advertise um brothers War coming out enough because they were caught off guard and they're they're mad that they missed a pre-release event that they like to play in and and um so it's yeah, this juggling thing. plates.
3: I know. also heard that apparently some other places ran out of Brothers War, which I wasn't expecting to hear a week after. But maybe yeah. it's a little bit of that, like changing how people yeah. order.
2: I mean, there's there's so many things there. One, there's been the momentum of shifting how we have been doing ordering, coming out of the uh, heavier shipping crisis uh, in the pandemic and post pandemic time. Two, like Jamie said, long run in just habits of how you order magic product and CCG product in general, but especially magic, that also overlaps with um, understandings whether written or understood with some distribution partners that okay, new magic release, are you going to take everything that you are allocated that we can guarantee you? If you do not take everything, there's a chance that you get less offered to you next time. So do you take everything on the thing you don't care about to make sure you get it for the next one? and next thing you know, your 10 release is higher than you were last time and it's all building up. And as, you know, Watsi has said, we are making different types of magic products to satisfy different types of players to try to capture more people. But what you also have is people picking and choosing. I heard multiple times this year people say, I'm skipping, I'm not gonna buy any, you know, Double Masters 2022, I'm saving it for the next set. Or they said, I'm skipping what set just came before that new Penna, because I'm saving for double masters. And these are people that historically would buy into every magic set and may buy some heavier than others. Uh, Those people who would buy everything are picking and choosing now. So that cuts both ways. Um, I think it's a good point too, because um, people may not understand
1: this. When we go to order from our distribution partners, how much product we can get is based on our total perch past purchases in that category, mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter how many board games or Pokemon or minis or paints that we order, all that matters is they look at here is your past spend on magic. Uh, so then that is the number going forward, and so um, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out from an yeah. allocation perspective. You know, I don't know that the distribution partners were ready for. 14 sets this year too and they were also ordering Mm -hmm. in kind of this mass quantity of this is how we've always done it for 25 years of magic and i think well 30 years of magic i guess since we just had 30th anniversary and and they weren't ready for the shift either and so i think they've got a ton of product setting which all goes back to the greater thing that that bank of america said Wizards of the Coast is printing too much product and it's going to devalue the entire game um, and uh, if it
2: does and the game falls apart, there's no sales for anybody. Right, right. And I mean they had multiple major releases that um, majorized, as in they were smaller special releases out of all these 14 but that slipped months to where they overlapped in weird ways. The Warhammer 40k decks which ended up being very popular released the same week as Unfinity um, Infinity I mean, was
1: supposed to come out on April Fool's Day. Yes, sure.
2: and the Warhammer set was supposed to come out uh, two months prior to that, and then yeah. the Jumpstart set was also delayed. Like there were multiple things that got delayed in ways to where they overlapped each other, and then obviously cannibalized each other. Um, Very true. Yeah. So, and 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 the larger thing here is that you know the thing I tend to hear is that Magic is the profitable part for WotC and Aero Hasbro. Hasbro overall has been having a rough decline. Um, and uh, from a very armchair perspective, I was thinking about that with like, well, Hasbro owns a good chunk of Jamie's childhood, my childhood, John's childhood, mine, yeah, uh, Ryan's childhood. Right. Hasbro
3: just is a little dragon yeah. hoarding all of our toys, and I'm just like,
1: yeah. And, and like, I mean, if you think, well, let's let's talk about that in just a second, yeah. right? So, GI Joe, Transformers, My Little Pony, Power Rangers, Nerf, Power Rangers. Yeah. That I mean dragons, really that's
3: Magic the Gathering. Magic.
2: Dungeons the, and Dragons. The I mean, Marvel and Star Wars action figure lines are yeah. primarily Hasbro. Yeah. Um and so yeah, it's uh Um they they had a habit for a long time of doing the Disney Vault style thing of if we have an IP, we'll let it go fallow for a while so there's excitement when it comes back. And so it's like, well, where are they with that? Like, My Little Pony is kind of in between things. They've had kind of a rough go trying to get a new run of that going. Um, G.I. Joe is always kind of stayed in, I'd say, kind of that nostalgia collector's area. Like, there hasn't been a new G.I. Joe cartoon that got really big. Transformers has had multiple iterations that they've tried to make, you know, get mainstream again. But I would say for the most part feels like that's a collector-driven thing. And uh as much as collectors got that money, I don't know, maybe I feel like Hasbro might be they don't have another thing they're really pinning everything on right now. A lot of it's kind of floundering, and I guess that might be reflected in a microcosm with coming back to HeroScape, they keep doing the Hasbro Pulse crowdsourcing uh crowdfunding experiments and I was talking with Tony Brooke, one of our good friends and customers who follows those things as a heavy collector. And uh he was like, you know, I think maybe they're going to slow down on these now because they've had multiple just not go. And part of that is that Harrisburg goes all in. There's not a, we're going to, you know, this is like Kickstarter. If you get to this many thousand, it's going to happen. And if we do stretch goals, you'll have this. They go whole kit and caboodle, nothing else. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, they're, they're, they're Monopoly size. They own Monopoly. They Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'll <laughs> throw that
0: out there. No, yes, yeah.
3: you' good. You're, that's everything good. you said, you're hundred percent. you right. Final. Well, no, that's the. But like, can I tell you yeah. that I'm
1: how happy I am that the Proton Pack is getting ready to ship. I, <laughs> I bought the Proton Pack and the uh, and the thrower, the plasma thrower.
0: Well, the future of Hasbro may look up and down. We don't know what's going to happen. So let's talk about some things that actually we can have today that would make us happy. Let's look at the new hotness.
2: The new hotness hot. is looking really interesting, partially because. It's incredibly crunchy Euro-oriented uh, right now, but, but with, with definite flavor. Yeah. To be
3: fair, that's all from one shipment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two and a
2: half. That's fair, that's fair. But yes, a lot of those are.
0: Uh, I did say that um, Jamie showed me some of the, is it Eagle Griffin?
2: Eagle Griffin. Eagle Griffin, yeah. Yeah.
0: Eagle Griffin games uh, on Mars, uh, The Weather Machine, um, Lisboa, Lisboa, they all look fantastic. If you love a game where there is way too much going on all at once, like that, those games look
1: perfect for it's you. It's all the same designer. Mm-hmm. Yes, same guy. So Weather Machine was a Kickstarter that was very frequently requested, and so we we got that in. And when when I was going to place the order, Eagle Griffin reached out and said, "Hey, while you're." You know, placing your order for Weather Machine. Do you want any of this other stuff? We got a few copies left. And Kanban EV hmm. was also there, but that one's already sold out. Hmm. Um, the, I got all the copies yesterday because people are like, "What is this game?" And it's uh, all three people that bought Kanban EV all work at Rivian right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah they were all like, "I want to show this to my this, boss." This designer, which I had his name up a moment ago, but I, I lost it because um, I was like, "He's made a lot of games. I've heard as very." Renowned, like deep games. Like Kanban is known for being very, like, this is how you do an assembly line with, like, you know, um, car manufacturing. People use
1: that to teach, like, management theory and logistics supply chain for,
2: like, grad level courses. Um, On Mars has, like, a 4.6 weight rating on uh, BGG. And from people who have actually played it, I hear it's phenomenal. If you want to dig into a game, like I was talking about earlier. Uh, Lisboa, I actually remember seeing a webcomic where like someone's walking by a table where people are playing like games. Like, oh yeah, you play sport games? Do you like do you like to do hard stuff? And they're like, I, I got Lisboa over here. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Shady alleyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would the designer's name be Vital Lacerda? Yeah, yes. I'll let yeah. you say that one. Yeah. yeah.
0: Did you really know the name, but you just didn't want to butcher it?
2: I remembered it vaguely, but I was okay. going to butcher it even when I was looking at it. Yeah.
0: Um, but I will say... One of the things that I likes about I like about this game is it's an unusual box size, Sorry, mm-hmm.
2: it and is. it
0: still looks like if I'm if it's on the side, it's gonna still fit in like a KX or anything like that. But I don't know, it's it's a little bit more. I'm gonna Skinny use the term but monumental. But tall. Yeah, it monumental. feels like That's a, a the old long
2: yeah. pack it's style a slab. that Z-man <laughs> used to use a lot, but bigger.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, came back in finally. It was, and, and a lot of people were super excited was the Crystal Twister Dice Tower. Mm -hmm. That was one that is famous uh, among staff for the (laughs) sheer amount of cursing that I did (laughs) while putting together the original one, and you um, get
3: to do it again.
1: Yeah, because uh, this time you'll
2: make it harder on yourself. You'll use the uh, rubber bands. right? Yeah, because I
1: wasn't following the directions correctly, and they, you know, I, I skipped one step that turned out to be the all-important organizational, keeping it together while you're assembling it step, with a simple rubber band in the bottom of the box. And uh, so for anybody who buys the crystal twister dice tower, the rubber band is a very important step <laughs> to not, I have actually told like seven people that because I don't even know how long this is going to last. It's, it's really nice. It's made out of like a really nice plexiglass. So it's clear. And the, uh, what, what's the sound?
2: Click, clack,
1: the ASMR. ASMR of, yeah, we did a video on it, and it's one of the most mm-hmm. popular videos we ever made mm-hmm. where we just, just dropped a bunch of dice through it and just let people listen to the dice go down this thing. And so it's
2: amazing, and uh, I don't
1: know that that's going to last super
2: long.
3: It's I've true.
1: Al- I've
2: also been impressed that the price, uh, the MSRP, didn't change from the last time we had it, like what a year, two years ago. Like it was, yeah, it was like eighteen
1: months ago. Yeah,
2: and I was like, is it is it still thirty four ninety nine? It's still thirty four ninety nine. Yeah,
1: it's uh, we got quite a few of them, and Ryan and I were looking at each other Friday unpacking. And I'm like, oh, this is a lot of these, and they're over half gone already. So,
3: yeah, um, yeah. hopefully, uh, I wonder if the new design is going to take D fours a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I, I hope the so.
3: One.
1: They also said that um, when you when you build stuff out of plexiglass, you get that protective film on both mm-hmm. sides, uh, and that's where the cursing a large part of it was right. coming from too. Was right. trying to get that protective film off, and they said specifically that they listened to feedback and were going to make it so the film was going to come off easier nice. this time.
3: Nice. Okay.
1: Yeah, Ben was sitting down here with me, and it was just I was <laughs> he was calm and collected, and just working through it, and I was just cursing up a storm.
0: One game I want to put a shout-out to is the Quacks of mega Box. Megabox. Uh, Megabox! Quacks is probably one of my favorite push-your-luck games that is out there. Uh, I love the art of it. I love the, the concept of it. it. makes a lot of sense. And I it, in this Megabox, you get the main game and the two expansions, the Herb Witch and the Alchemist, which I haven't actually played the Alchemist before, that expansion, but I, I didn't even know it existed. But now I do, yeah, and now I must have it. one, I think.
1: It was uh, the Alchemist. So Quacks changed publishing companies. And I think the original company, I don't know that they still exist anymore. So it it changed publishing companies for the designer. And so I think the Alchemist was like a quick blip and then gone because they ran into money problems during COVID and didn't have enough to get enough copies pushed out. Only a few people have ever got
2: Alchemist. um, North Star Games.
1: Yeah, and I think Northstar has sold off most of their IP of most They're of gone their stuff. they entirely. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: Wasn't
0: Quacks like a, a National Spiel game? I felt like it got an award somewhere. It oh, might yeah. have been up
1: for it, but it didn't win. Okay. It, I, but it's got a bunch of awards, like Dice Tower Awards and stuff like that, the Golden Geeks and stuff like that, so over time. Gotcha. Um, I also wanted to put a shout-out in for um, a couple of other games that were in there, too. Uh, one is a puzzle that was frequently... <laughs> requested and it's it makes me kind of giggle every time I talk about it but it's called 101 pooping puzzle, puppies the puzzle and the cover of the puzzle is 101 different puppies pooping <laughs>
0: this is the puzzle that I feel like you do with your friends and then one of you gets it framed but then nobody actually wants to take it to their house to <laughs> hang it up anywhere
1: it's it's one of the most popular and best-selling puzzles of the year uh, on all the different stat boards and stuff. And I, I, I can't decide if it's for people buying it for themselves or buying it as, like, a white elephant slash gag gift for somebody else. I would
2: assume the latter. Like, I don't know. People get their things. Gotcha. It's true. We've also got the box set from Mouse Guard, which uh, was pretty cool to have come in. Um, Mouse Guard was a really, like, I'd say, like a cult favorite RPG in the, about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And this new box set has... Um, uh, multiple booklets in there. It's like just—it's a full version of the game. Um, Mouse Guard is Redwall, the RPG. Yes, they just couldn't call it that. Yeah, that's very we much. What it is. That. I think I think it might be based on a graphic <laughs> novel series or something. Is, yes, but yeah, it's very Redwall. Um, uses the Burning Wheel system, which is something that I know by reputation, but haven't played myself. But it's very uh, character backstory-driven. Um, if you like character creation, it's like its own whole sub-game. Uh, so, yeah, if you like that red wall style or Secret of Nim kind of uh, uh, animals doing things on their own scale thing, check out Mouse Guard.
1: Yeah, Verdant came in on Friday as well. And Verdant is the new one from Flatout Games. Flatout Games, their 2020 release was Calico, Calico, which was one of our favorite games of building a quilt that looks so comfortable that the cats want to come sit on your lap. That's how you scored points. And then last year, uh, flat out's game was Cascadia, which of course won Spiel des Jahres this year. So um, uh, Verdant looks pretty cool. It's the feng shui of making plant arrangements in your in your house, in your residence and stuff. And the art is absolutely beautiful. And uh, uh, that's one of the ones next ones I'm looking forward to getting on the table. So
3: yes. I didn't expect to like Cascadia, so I'd be interested in playing Verdant.
1: Yeah, we'll get that one, we'll get a demo one of that one out. We've got the standard retail releases showed up Friday. There was a problem with um, our Kickstarter version, which the Kickstarter version's got a 16-card little micro-expansion that comes with it, that um, I wrote to flat out. I said, hey guys, where's my, where's my Kickstarter stuff? I paid for this like months and months ago. What's going on? I was expecting to have it by now. And they're like, your order was rejected as returned as rejected um undeliverable and i'm like we're open seven days a week and we've been in the same building for 14 years how is that even remotely possible that it was sent back the ups guys the fedex guys the you the post office folks all come in here all the time i don't i don't nobody can tell me what happened why our order got rejected Hmm. i can't i can't imagine boxes showing up and somebody saying no no we don't want (laughs) these new games
0: No, now hang on. I have been here on days where boxes have come in, and I think there's been a few times where I've seen you people go, no, we don't want any more boxes. We're full. We're full. All, All in at the end. We always uh, take so.
2: We just cry at the same time. Oh, okay. That's, true. Fair.
1: That's fair. That's we fair. are getting to the time of year where they're going to start delivering stuff on Saturday. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. Because where are we going to put 27 boxes when there's 45 people standing at the cash register right now? That'd be fun. If
0: only there was a, a new place that
1: you could go that will have hmm. so much
0: more space and openness and more of a receiving area.
1: 30 second update? Please. Demolition. I did a video on it last week, and demolition is mostly complete. They were hoping to finish on Friday. They didn't quite get it done. They're going to be back Monday, and they're expecting they will be done by the end of the day Monday. Nice. Damn. That lets electricians and plumbers and, and HVAC and everybody else get into the building. Um, also, the HVAC guys got a little bit of heat going. Oh, Nice. Yeah, the building's got four different HVAC units on the roof, and they got one going, so it is not completely frigid inside of there right now. I, I
3: assume, can,
0: assume that there's just one person that's shoveling coal into some sort of, like, bin that's on fire right now, right? That's how that works.
3: Absolutely. I mean, there's a little, you know, there's the package slide. We could just throw the coal down that way. It'll work out. <laughs> it's what's there for. Yep. You know, um, there was a
1: second, separate coal chute. Did, you ever, did I ever show you that? No. It's it's sealed up, but I'll show you where the coal chute was.
0: Nice. Or the company slide, as it might be after the <laughs> renovation.
1: Well, it's got a eight foot drop at the bottom. I'm not sure there'd be a. It might be a slide one time, one slide, and then you're out.
0: <laughs> one time slide. Uh, well, other than uh, needing to see all of these hot games on the new Hotness, what are some of the other reasons people might want to come to the
2: store this week?
3: Uh, uh, adorable wh- squishables. Yes.
2: <laughs> so. Oh, yeah this week is uh the lead up to thanksgiving so of course we'll be closed on thursday uh, for thanksgiving but we will be open regular hours friday saturday and sunday this weekend and keep an eye out on our social media and in your email and always check your spam and filtered email um for red raccoon emails if you open them up gmail will start putting them in your inbox instead of just in the promotions tab um and, uh, yeah, we will be – everyone keeps – are you going to have sales on this? Are you going to have sales on this? We will announce them when we announce them. That's how that one works.
1: <laughs> the, my, the, the current plan is uh, if I can navigate our system correctly, and because Brittany usually helps me, but she was on vacation last week, so I had to do it myself, and I, I think I got it out okay. The current plan is that our weekend promotions should be uh, heading out starting at 10 a.m. on Wednesday.
0: Fantastic. I do want to note that for every Red Raccoon email that goes into a junk inbox, uh, Jesse cries one tear. So, please don't let this man become dehydrated.
3: <laughs> He's needed around here. If, if it floods the basement, we'll have some problems. Exactly. Like um, Jesse already situation.
1: has, like, PTSD with flooding things. <laughs> yeah, he, doesn't need that. he doesn't need that mental image.
0: Uh, And with that, our episode comes to a close. I'd like to thank the staff members who joined me today, and if you want your chance to talk about your tabletop with them, come and find them at Red Raccoon Games, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois, uh, where we now have a Patreon.
1: Patreon!
0: Patreon.com backslash Red Raccoon Games, where we are going to be highlighting a lot of the development within the new shop. Uh, We're going to be putting out some products, some stickers from concepts that come directly from the store. Um, yeah it's going to be a good time we're still figuring out everything that's going to be on there and what we're going to do with it but we hope this is going to be around for a while and hopefully be able to provide you with some pretty great benefits down the road I
1: had a new t-shirt idea while I was driving
2: yesterday
0: oh, there yeah. it is. this yeah. is what Jamie's been looking for just all these t-shirt ideas that he has now there's an
2: outlet for them Yes.
0: he has to think of one once a month
2: there, um, I can't guarantee that this is true or not but there might be a tier where John tells you he's proud of you
0: yeah like in my podcaster voice like I'll, I'll record it as a message for you. You can keep it on your phone anytime you need it. It's there for you.
3: Just, hey, I'm proud of you. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you're doing a great job.
0: We'll just start a call line where people can call <laughs> me throughout the day and I'll just give them encouragement, five seconds of encouragement. Uh, I want to thank Jillian Mesner for the use of our theme music and feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice or come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com. If you throw the word podcast in the subject line, we'll do our best to give you a shout out. Until then, or until next time, keep playing. Bye.